Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out at Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. As we continue in this series and we look at our legacies, we're going to hear probably one of the better known stories from First Kings. Um, and we're going to ask some questions of it and be challenged by it and celebrate it at the same time. So hear now the word of the Lord. Lord's word came to Elijah. Get up and go to Zarephath near Sidon and stay there. I have ordered a widow there to take care of you. Elijah left and went to Zarephath. As he came to the town gate, he saw a widow collecting sticks. He called out to her, please get a little water for me in this cup so I can drink. She went to get some water. He then said to her, please get me a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any food. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little bit of oil in a bottle. Look at me. I'm collecting two sticks so that I can make some food for myself and my son. We'll eat the last of the food and then die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go and do what you said, only make a little loaf of bread for me first, then bring it to me. You can make something for yourself and your son after that. This is what Israel's God, the Lord, says. The jar of flour won't decrease and the bottle of oil won't run out until the day the Lord sends rains on the earth. The widow went and did what Elijah said. So the widow, Elijah, and the widow's household ate for many days. The jar of flour didn't decrease, nor did the bottle of oil run out, just as the Lord spoke through Elijah. After these things, the son of the widow, who was the matriarch of the household, became ill. His sickness got steadily worse until he wasn't breathing anymore. She said to Elijah, what's gone wrong between us, man of God? Have you come to me to call attention to my sin and kill my son? Elijah replied, give your son to me. He took her son from her and carried him to the upper room where he was staying. Elijah laid him on his bed. Elijah cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, why is it that you have brought such evil upon the widow that I am staying with by killing her son? Then he stretched himself over the boy three times and cried out to the Lord. Lord, my God, please give this boy's life back to him. The Lord listened to Elijah's voice and gave the boy his life back, and he lived. Elijah brought the boy down from the upper room of the house and gave him to his mother. Elijah said, look, your son is alive. Now I know that you are really a man of God, the woman said to Elijah, and that the Lord's word is truly in your mouth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. What will your legacy be? Remember, that's the question that we opened this series with, and we admitted that it is an intimidating question. And I think especially in this town, it is a very intimidating question because we are surrounded by people with really big legacies. And when you're surrounded by people with such big legacies, it's hard to imagine that you could do anything that would amount to anything in comparison. 
And then I haven't helped things because we've done this series focusing on kings and prophets. Well, of course, they have big legacies too. But have we paid attention to the secondary characters? The characters like this widow. Now, we know that widows would have been in a vulnerable condition regardless in that time period. But this one has some extra vulnerabilities to contend with. First of all, there is a drought going on. Second of all, she does have a child that she has to raise. And she is down to one meal left. And yet, even in the midst of these profound vulnerabilities, she shares anyway. Not out of her abundance, but within and out of her limits. It reminds me of another story of a widow who went to the temple in the sight of Jesus. And he watched as she threw the last two pennies that she had, sometimes called mites, the last two pennies that she had in the offering. And he jumped up and proclaimed, this woman has given far more generously than any of the others because she gave out of her poverty and the others gave out of their abundance. Jesus and Elijah took a look in both of these moments and saw the possibilities that were present when others might have seen limitations. And they both saw in these women their kindness and their generosity, and their willingness to give of themselves extraordinarily. They could see their legacies. God sees our potential legacies as well, and they are beyond the usual limits. They are beyond what we might expect. And when God looks at us, God sees more than a lot of times what we see in ourselves or others see in us. We are going to look at three of these types of legacies that are related to our church, and we're going to start that by looking at Dorcas. Our flannel is $10 a yard. Yeah, that's not cheap. That's not cheap. And so I've been upset with Marilyn. She didn't bring me any. She said she's waiting for a 30% sale. <laughs> yes. So when did Dorcas start? Here mm -hmm. in 93. Okay, and it was Maxine Hines? Yes, big. who started it. It was every place they were stationed, she had a group. And um, that's what we're doing. We're carrying on. All right. Okay. This is our stash. We've got some that are quilts back here, and we will give those to hospitals, to the hospitals also. They're just not a lay at. It's just the quilt, but the hospital's still thrilled to get them. Yeah. Okay. So the whole process for making layettes starts when my sister Karen and I go and buy the fabric. And as Velma was saying, fabric can be up to $10 a yard for the flannel, which we think is too expensive and we don't get the best use of our money since we operate on strictly donated funds. And Velma works way faster than I do. She makes the receiving blankets and the gowns along with a couple of other people and then I just do the quilt tops so after she makes hers she brings them to me and then I make the quilt tops with the scraps and then I bring that back to her and she will trim it up fold it over get it ready for hemming 
and then my sister and some others, they do the hymning, and then it comes back to the church, and it's tied off. And these are completed layettes. This is what would go to the hospital bundled and tied. You've got a quilt, a receiving blanket, a gown, a bib, a burp cloth, a hat, and a sweater. And with each one, we put a note, and it's got our church on the front with our address and website, and then there's a message to the baby inside that is actually the same one that Maxine wrote back when Dorcas started, referring to Dorcas from the chapter of Acts in the Bible, and ends with, May God's love touch you today and in the years to come. So I love doing the crocheting of the sweaters because I can't be out and come and be around people because of my immunity. So I can crochet sweaters at home. And my hope is that I pray over them, that every um, baby will be blessed with um, a safe home. I watched, my mom was one of the founders, or not founders, she was one of the original members with Maxine, and she made the quilt tops. And when she was unable to make them anymore, my sister and I um, started helping, and we would actually take a quilt apart to figure out the measurements and how to put it back together because, of course, there were no instructions. It was always what well, Maxine said. So that's how I learned the measurements of how to make them. Um, and I think it's an important cause because there's so many babies that leave the hospital without the things they need, and we have requested that the hospitals give them to the neediest families. And if someone wants to get involved in Dorcas, what do they need to do? They don't have to be a seamstress. They can tie quilts. They could hem quilts. They could cut fabric. Just show up. We would love to have them. Their story's not over yet. Um, I want to share with you all that they have made over 1,000 layettes for the hospitals. They have made over 100 sheets for We Friends. This past summer for Ozark Mission Project, they made 100 cornhole bags. They make the bags that our children's activities are in every week here in this congregation. Um, they have a mighty legacy just on the amount of material that they have crafted into something beautiful, but they also have a mighty legacy in the untold amounts of hope and love that they have shared. And I'm gonna share with you a letter that was sent to us from Rex Dickey, who's a former pastor here. He's now a chaplain in the area, and he, he shared this with the Dorcas folks a, a couple of years ago. I wanna share it now with you all. Dear Dorcas Ministry, thank you for all the special work you do in our community. I feel compelled to write and let you know how important what you do is in the lives of families in the area. I was ministering to a family who lost their baby just following his birth Saturday evening at Northwest Hospital in Bentonville. One of the things we do in such a situation is to help the couple dress the baby in a new outfit and then wrap them in a blanket for the couple and the family to hold to help them with their grief. The baby blanket we wrapped him in was from the Dorcas Ministry with the beautiful note attached. I was touched as the dad read the note and began to cry. 
The family was so moved by your gift. I smiled as I knew the love that gave birth to this ministry from Maxine and her vision for this ministry and all of you who have picked up your needles and scissors to make beautiful expressions of God's love. You all are a blessing. I already knew that. Wanted to make sure you did. It's a simple thing. Sewing, cutting, taking the time. And it does transformative and powerful work. And the women that are involved in that, a lot of them are just the ones that go about doing their business, like Mary Jo Thompson, who I want to talk about next. Mary Jo Thompson volunteered for Dorcas forever. She tied quilts. um, And she was quiet, which is a great gift because Yuldine McWilliams was not. And, and so Yuldine got to talk, and, um, and Mary Jo sat there and listened, um, bringing both of their gifts to the table there as they worked on such beautiful things. Mary Jo also volunteered for years, sat in the church office, and was the Sunday school secretary for years and years and years. And that was the kind of way that she liked to serve. She was a quiet woman. She took care of her parents. She worked a steady job her whole life. She just had one of those lives that just is. Last year, I had the great honor of doing Mary Jo's funeral and celebrating that quiet life that was steady and was present and did those small things that made a big difference. And then, as your pastor, I've also gotten to hear about the fact that she left an estate and Part of that estate has started a scholarship for nurses at a school in Missouri, her home state. And part of that estate went to the Rogers Animal Shelter. And I know we're usually a dog church, but this will make you happy, Ray. She was a cat person. And so the Rogers Animal Shelter gets a catio. (laughs) And Mary Jo left a quarter of a million dollars to this church. And that goes into our endowment and will fund ministries for years and years and years and years to come. And then yesterday in this very space, with those very flowers, we got to celebrate the life of Mary Mae Jones, who has an elementary school named for her in this town and who was a part of this church for over 60 years. And if there were, uh, was ever a woman who understood legacy, it was her because she came from humble circumstances, but she always saw the possibilities of what could be. And she didn't see them so much in herself as she did in everybody she met. In everybody she met, she saw the possibilities. She had this philosophy that all children should be accepted, appreciated, and challenged according to their ability. You met them where they were and you saw what they could be. And you encouraged them in that direction. And she loved everyone into their legacies. So Mary Mae Jones' legacy will be thousands of legacies. Now this story that we're reading about is another story of a woman who might have gone unnoticed. Before we celebrate what she did, though, I want us to recognize that both this story and the widow's mite story calls us to two things. And the first one is responsibility, not abuse. Because both of these stories have been used 
by people in pulpits to convince people to give to the point that would be harmful to them. To give to the point that would greatly impoverish them even more. For instance, Elijah says, feed me first. Really, Elijah? Really? This woman is about to die and you want your piece of bread? And one of the things that scholars will often do when they look at the widow's mite story is talk about how Jesus stood up and pointed out the widow's gift. Not as much to celebrate her own generosity, but to point out to the temple, you're supposed to be taking care of the widows, not taking advantage of them. And so, we don't ever want to ask people to give to the point of their own harm. We are all called to give, and sometimes to give sacrificially. And definitely to give out of our abundance that God has heaped into our lives, but not to give to the point of our own harm. But with that in mind, we also must recognize that any gift that is brought before the Lord is to be treated responsibly, is to be cared for. We are custodians of people's legacies. We are the ones that take care of what they bring before the Lord. So I want to give you an update on where we are as far as caring for the legacies that you bring forward to this church. Last year in June, when we closed out the fiscal year, we had $130,000 in the bank and $193,000 in debt. As of the beginning of this month, we had $267,000 in the bank and $0 of debt. Because we take seriously and we are responsible with the legacies that you bring to God. And I, as your pastor, will commit to continuing to do that. And we do that because of your tremendous generosity and your willingness to bring those gifts forward. We also do it because you have a really scrappy staff that (laughs) squeezes every dollar we can (laughs) for all it's worth. And takes care of what you have brought before us. But in the midst of recognizing that these stories call us to responsibility, these stories also do call us to dream big. They do call us to recognize that when God enters the story, there is unlimited provision. And there is abundant and unexpected life in the midst. Some of you have heard me say that God has given us all we need to do what God intends us to do. But... Everyone has to commit to bring that forward. And you can bring forward time. You can bring forward talents. You can bring forward money. But there's plenty. All you have to do is commit your legacy forward. I want to also remind us that this church is working toward what we're calling the Beyond Us 2030 goal, which is to commit 25% of our budget to mission and outreach. We have already made two significant steps in that direction. And some of the ways that we will do that is because people will volunteer more and bring more of their talents forward that we won't have to rely on paid staff. We, we will have your gifts brought forward for that. But some of it is in what you give. And when we think about a gift like that, which was given to us by Mary Jo Thompson, that went into our endowment, and we protect the principal in our endowment, but we have some interest to work with. And what I would like to see us do with that interest is use it to experiment with, 
See what we could try in our community. See what missions might take hold, and then we learn what we need to budget for. But we use the endowment to try things out. I want to return to the idea of this town and these stories. You know, Bentonville, in many ways, turns the axis of the earth. It does. If Bentonville turns its head, the earth turns its head. But it's not always been that way. There are people in this room that remember a very different Bentonville. A Bentonville that looked a lot more like Nazareth, a town you wouldn't pay any attention to because nothing good ever comes from Nazareth. And there are lots of people in this world that wish Bentonville didn't have this kind of influence and wished it was still in New York or California. But it's here. And if there's any proof at God's wily miracles, it's this town. We should be inspired by the fact that we have seen great possibilities happen. And we should be inspired by what we could be part of. What world-changing miracles we could be part of. Not because we live in Bentonville, but because we are followers of God. You know, one of the things that Jamie, Mary Mae Jones' granddaughter, shared with us. She said, you can only leave a legacy if you live that legacy. What a legacy we are being invited into. What a powerfully transformative reality we can be part of when we bring our gifts before the throne of God and God's power breaks it loose. So, my friends, align your legacy with God. When we do, there are no limits to what is possible. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.